Thank you, Megan. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Doing good? Great to have you here on this beautiful, beautiful day. Um, it is a couple of big events coming up. We'd love to have you at Kickball, um, or as people my age call it, you know, National Pulled Hamstring Night. Uh, but you don't have to play. You don't have to play kickball, but we will. We'll make fun of you a bit if you don't. No, not really. We would love to have you. It's great. We get a lot of people out there. And then two weekends from now, due days. That is like Farmington's kind of big celebration. So the whole downtown area. By the way, the Sunday morning service of that weekend, we still are having services. Um, it will be a. a a little bit more of an adventure to park and find, make your way here, but you are the devoted followers of Jesus. You'll make it happen, right? You can do it. Um, but that weekend, the whole, you know, a good chunk of our town is just hanging out on the streets around here, and so it's a great opportunity both for you to come and meet people in our community, but also invite some friends, uh, just make those connections, and then we do have some fun events that we are we are hosting. So that's what the you know the kiss the pig is. You get some people in Farmington that are willing to put their names in, and then they collect money. Don't Donations go to I think the Rambling River Center, um, and uh, and so that's what those those jars are downstairs. Um, so I don't know if I want to win, but I kind of feel like I don't want to lose. Um, so the whole offering that we collect today is going. No, we're not we're not donating to Kiss the Pig. That's not. Wow, that guy's really popular. Um, but we would just love, we always love opportunities for us to be present in our community, to be a part of the life of the church. The, this building is great for a number of reasons, but the, the thing we love most about it is our location right in the heart of our town so that we as a church community can be, you know, a light in the center of town, and that's what we're all about. Um, if you are new, my name's Jeff Kerr. I'm the pastor here along with my wife, Christy. Christy is home today getting ready for our big grad party this afternoon, so unfortunately I had to miss grad party prep this morning to come to church. <laughs> So I'm grateful to be here with you all today. But um, if you're new, I'd love to meet you after the service. I know I met a few people that are new this morning. Um, we just want to find ways for you to connect, get involved with the life of the church, meet some people, and find a place to serve. We started a series. Pastor Christy last week started a series. Oh, one other thing I forgot. Next weekend, so one weekend from right now, we have a guest speaker. You're not going to want to miss this. Um, invite some friends. We have some friends of ours who were missionaries in northern Africa. They are going to be coming and sharing in the service next week. So we're going to kind of take a break from our sermon series. They um, had been missionaries there in this country in northern Africa for many, many, many years. And all of a sudden, the government and the authorities started arresting Christian workers. Um, the, the husband who will be here sharing, one of the people sharing next week, was thrown in prison for his work in the ministry. And a lot of their Christian colleagues in this nation, they're still unaccounted for. They don't know what happened to them. It was just they cracked down on Christian workers. They're going to share their story, their heart for missions, and really all that God has brought them through over the last six months. So you are not going to want to miss next Sunday. Invite a friend. It's going to be really, really great. All right. But we are in a series that Pastor Christie started last week called Grow. And talking about the spiritual gifts and the church. Now, if you're, if you're new to the idea of spiritual gifts, the Bible talks about in the New Testament, we read that the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit is God's presence dwelling in us. And the Bible talks about spiritual gifts. Not gifts like the, the little cartoony things that you see on TikTok. The gifts with a T at the end. Um, ways in which through the Holy Spirit we are gifted towards the work of the ministry. More than natural ability. Now, God, we, we know that God created us and God knit us together with different talents, with a heart for different things. We are wired with different personalities, and we are all naturally gifted in different areas. But it's more than that. A spiritual gift is 
um, often connected to that because we would recognize that if God is going to give you a spiritual gift to accomplish something in the kingdom, he's probably going to do it in alignment with how you were wired, personality speaking. If you're a huge introvert, God's not going to say, I'm going to give you the gift of leadership and prophecy or something like that, right? He's going to kind of work. First of all, it's a great uh, illustration and example of God's loving care for us, right? He knits us together, gives us gifts and talents that, that go along with the work that he wants us to do in the kingdom of God. But it's more than natural ability. The spiritual gifts that God gives us are how he accomplishes the work of the ministry, the work of the church through us. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. Romans chapter 12, this is a letter written to Christians in the nation of Rome by the Apostle Paul. And Paul is writing, and he's writing about a few of these spiritual gifts. So over the summer, we're going to talk about different ones. And really, our hope and our prayer would be that as we go through this, each week that you would hear about what we're talking about, and I'm going to highlight a couple of them today, that you would just be open to... Asking God, asking the Holy Spirit, what have you called me to do? What areas of my life have you called me to be to be gifted in towards the work of the ministry? More than just natural talent, but God, how have you gifted me to accomplish your work in the kingdom of God? So we are going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. Um, could we pray together real quick before we start this? Lord, I pray for this time as we look into your word. I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would soften our hearts and open our ears for the word of God today. That we would all leave changed, not by any... Um, convincing words that I say, but by the power of your Holy Spirit and the word of God today. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Romans chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the test by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So then he's about to go into talking about different spiritual gifts that God has given us. But really he starts it out and I'm glad he starts this part of this letter out with this kind of general call for all of us to discipleship. Those verses we just read, talking to everybody, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Lay down your lives. As Carly was leading us in worship, she mentioned this. That's often a a tough thing to say. Lord, you can have it all. I lay down my life. That is the call to all of us as followers of Jesus. Lay down my lives. Lay down my life, our lives. Not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, in our culture today, the, you know, There's a buzzword or a buzz phrase, deconstructing our faith. There's a lot of people in our culture today that reject faith in Jesus because it doesn't fit in their life. They're like, well, that doesn't really adhere to what I want to live for. Now that, you know, I can understand why people would say that, but that's not the gospel at all. The gospel message is what Paul is saying here. We lay our lives down for the kingdom of God as a living sacrifice, kind of a gruesome example if you understand the sacrificial system of an animal that was sacrificed on an altar as an offering of worship to God. We, figuratively speaking, lay our lives on the altar before God and say, God, you can have it all. If this doesn't fit into what I want for my life, if this doesn't fit to what makes me happy or what I think is the common wisdom in our world today, that doesn't matter because you and your kingdom are first and foremost, right? Amen? This is the general call to discipleship. It's the work of God 
in our lives that is always going to come in contact or come in combat or opposition with the work of the world, right? We face the patterns of this world, the thinking of this world, and yet we don't live for the patterns of this world. The Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but rather transformed by the renewal of your mind, transformed by the work of God in your life. So these are the general things that we're called to do. So as we read ahead, and when Paul's talking about different specific spiritual gifts... Um, you know, for example, if he's talking about the gift of generosity or the gift of evangelism, that's not meaning to say that some people are called to be generous and others aren't if they don't have that gift. That some people are called to evangelize and worry about the lost and fulfill the Great Commission and others aren't. It's not an excuse. It's not an out clause for you to say, well, I don't have that spiritual gift of generosity, so I'm just going to hang on to all my stuff, right? Generally speaking, we are all called to these things. It's just that God enables or gifts some people in a different way that God works uniquely through them. Um, I'm going to put some people on the spot. The Sobers are here, Lonnie and Rebecca. They have a gift of evangelism over their life. I thought I saw. Are they in the room here? All right, there we are. I know they love it when I highlight them. But that, there's other people in the church. But the, for some reason, when they invite people to church... They come, and I'm like, how? I, I talk to half the people in this church, and they're like, how'd you hear about this church? Oh, I got invited by Lonnie and Rebecca. Or I got, or some people will say, I don't even know their names. I just met this couple at the gym. I'm like, oh, I know who you're talking about, right? They just have this ability. God is gifted them in this spiritual gift. We are all called to reach out, to care about the lost, but God is going to uniquely gift some people in different ways, right? But that's not to say that we can forego the general act of discipleship laying our lives down, growing and stretching ourselves. Does that make sense? We are all called to grow in our devotion to Jesus. Spiritual gifts, <coughs> excuse me, spiritual gifts mean that some things just come more naturally to some people, or God uses some people in that area more than others. So why does he do this? Why are we gifted in different ways, in different acts or gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, it's for the benefit of the church. For this church, and for the global church. There's work to be done, right? For the benefit of the church, there's work to be done. There are needs that need to be met. And so God has given different gifts, um, supernatural abilities or talents or whatever it is to accomplish his work. Different works that he is doing around the world. So the work can be done. That's why he has gifted us. The reason you have the gifts that you do, the talents that you do, the resources that you do, is as we lay our lives down on the altar, he is able to use those to accomplish his work around the world. But it's not just so that the work can get done. It's also so that you can have a part in the work that needs to be done. Right? It's, I mean... Jesus is all-powerful. He could have just, you know, snapped his fingers and accomplished anything he wanted to do. But in his wisdom, he wanted us to be a part of it because he knows that's what's going to cause us to grow. That's what's going to cause us to be more like him. He wants to give everyone a part in the ministry, not just so that the work gets done, so that you can grow in your ministry and you, you can participate. So everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a job to do. At Homestead Church, just talking about this church, we are called to minister, and we are all gifted in different areas. And we all have a role to play. Pastor Christy, last week, there was a phrase that she said, when you grow, we grow. 
All of us need to grow in our spiritual gifts. All of us need to grow in our faith because then we as a church grow, not just numerically, but in our faith, in our strength, in the work that we can accomplish for the glory of God. So we're going to move on now from Romans chapter 12, talking about now God, is, or Paul is going to talk about the gifts that God gives more specifically. So I want you to be thinking about this general idea of discipleship. But as we do, start to open up your mind and your heart saying, Holy Spirit, how have you called me? What have you gifted me? What have you called me to do? Because we all have a role to play. So in verse 3 of Romans chapter 12, we doing good so far? So far we're doing okay? Good. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So we're going to stop there. I like that Paul kind of started it out with this. First of all, he says, every one of you. For the grace given to me, I say to everyone. Who does that apply to? That's not a trick question, right? The word everyone applies to everyone. I say to everyone among you. So if you think that you're just kind of a participant or a, uh, more like a spectator in the kingdom, no, Paul is talking to you in this passage of scripture. But I love that he talks about how we should approach this with sober judgment. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think with sober judgment. It's like Paul must have realized that as soon as he starts talking about different ways that different individuals have been gifted by God, what are we going to do as humans? We're going to start comparing it to other people, right? This is how God is using me, and this is how God is using that person, and this gift is more prominent than this gift. He know obviously he's right, right? He knew that we were, once we start talking about different ways that we're gifted by the Spirit, immediately we'll start ranking ourselves compared to others. He wasn't wrong, but I love that he says, generally speaking, all of us should approach this idea of spiritual gifts with sober judgment, recognizing we have received nothing out of our own natural gifts or talents. Everything we have is from God. God has gifted everyone differently in different areas. It is nothing to do with any reason for boasting or comparison or anything to puff ourselves up or anything to disqualify ourselves because our gift may not look like somebody else's. Does that make sense? This is how God is working. We should have grateful and grace-filled hearts for other people and to God for how he has gifted the body of Christ. No reason to boast, sober judgment in how we use the gifts that he has given us. This should enhance the unity in the body of Christ, not detract from it. And in verse 4 through 8, he starts listing a few of these spiritual gifts. Now, this is not a complete list, but this is some of them that are listed in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read through a couple of these. I'm going to read verse 4 through 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Talking about different jobs, different roles, but we are unified in the body of Christ. And individually, members of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. And then he starts listing a few. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We're going to stop there for a minute. Paul mentions some of these gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of prophecy, service, generosity, leadership, 
mercy. Again, all ways that we are supposed to kind of generally all have some of these, but how God is going to uniquely gift some of us in some of these areas. And we're going to talk about these more in the weeks to come um, as we go through this series over the next several weeks. But one thing I wanted to highlight, first of all, as we look at those different gifts, prophecy, service, generosity, leadership, mercy, notice that not all of these are like upfront, big personality, charismatic gifts. Some people think that God's not going to use me in the kingdom of God because I'm just kind of an introvert. I just want to stay in the background. I just want to help. I just want to, you know, I don't want to get noticed. I don't, I never want to be up on a stage with a microphone, that sort of thing. Anyone like that? And I, I shouldn't even ask that because you're not going to raise your hand. I'm not even going to raise my hand in church. <laughs> Notice that these gifts are not all big personality gifts. There's gifts of service, administration, like just service and support, someone to organize, that is a spiritual gift that I do not have, right? We need people, we have people in our church that have that gift of organization and administration. They don't ever want to stand on a mic, and some of you right now are making the notes and you're putting all this in your spreadsheet. You might have, if you're a spreadsheet person, you might have this gift. I don't have that gift. There are different ways that you can support the gift of generosity, just being open with your resources. This is not a charismatic personality situation. God has uniquely gifted people, and it actually is usually in step with how he's wired your personality and wired you. Isn't that great? So if you think that because of your natural gifts or talents or your natural personality that this spiritual gifts discussion does not apply to you, you are mistaken because there is lots of different ways that God has gifted lots of different personalities. Now, not that he won't ever require you to stretch yourself a little bit, right? And to grow a little bit, but God is going to want to use you in ways that are in alignment with how you are wired. We want to do that in our church, finding places to serve that are going to fit your personality. Early on in our church, when we had someone in the nursery taking care of the babies, they're not there today. So if you have a baby and you're about to hear what I'm about to say, don't get worried. But this lady, because we, we, had, we basically had a... At the beginning, it was kind of a warm body situation. If you're breathing and you're willing to watch kids, go. But this person did not really enjoy watching babies. And so she would often say as people were dropping their kids off, like, I don't know why they're making me watch these kids. And I'm like, no, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. We recognize some of you are like, I don't want to serve in the church because I don't want to teach kids or I don't want to serve in the church. I don't want to be a greeter or whatever it is. There are times that we're going to ask you to stretch yourself, but really we want you to find a place to serve that you enjoy serving in, right? And isn't it great that God is going to kind of connect those dots for us, giving you spiritual gifts that are in alignment with some of your interests? That's why God works like that. Everyone in the church has a part in the body of Christ. Just like the human body, every part has a role. And it operates, when it operates as it's designed to, everything works together for the unity of the body. So I want to highlight a couple of these today in the minutes that I have left. Two of the gifts that were mentioned in Romans chapter 12. And the first one is the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching. And so here's what I'm hoping, and as I've already mentioned this, as we talk through these, I'm going to ask a couple of questions because maybe God is going to stir your heart. Like, I, have the, I might have the gift of teaching. Some are naturally gifted at teaching. And so what would that be? That would be explaining things in a way that makes sense to other people. You can see this when you watch YouTube um, 
Well, here's a, here's a definition we'll go. The Holy Spirit enabled gift of explaining the word of God in a way that helps people understand and grow in their faith. Some people are naturally gifted at teaching. They explain something in a way that other people are like, wow, that makes sense. If you're like me, every once in a while you have to fix something around the house, and where do we go when we need to fix something? We go to YouTube. There are certain YouTube videos that I will watch, and a minute in, I'm like, okay, this person... I'm more confused by listening to what this person says, so I'm going to find another one. And then other YouTube videos, the person just is able to explain it in a way like, oh, that's easy to understand. That's the natural gift of teaching. But when we're talking about the Holy Spirit gifts, we're talking about that the Holy Spirit's job is to point people towards Jesus. So a spiritual gift of teaching specifically is going to be about focused on biblical teaching and Christian living. So that screen, that uh, definition again, the Holy Spirit enabled gift of explaining the word of God in a way that helps people understand and grow in their faith. So let me ask you this. Do you enjoy studying scripture? And do you like to talk about it? Do you enjoy, there wasn't a lot of amens there, that's okay. Do you enjoy conversations in small groups and are you able to explain scripture in an engaging way that people understand? So start thinking about that. Is that something that maybe you have been naturally wired and spiritually gifted to, to do? Do you enjoy these conversations about scripture and Bible and Christian living in small groups? And when you explain it to people, do they like, oh, that's easy to understand. This is the gift of teaching. We need spiritually gifted teachers in this church. And let me say this you got to understand this. What I'm doing right now on this stage with this microphone is a very small piece of the teaching that happens throughout the life of this church. This is a very small piece of the gift of teaching. So if you're thinking, well, I do have the gift of teaching, but they got enough preachers in this church. This is not what I'm talking about right here. We need teachers in this church for different groups that meet. Let's just talk about what's happening right now in this building. Downstairs, they are having people teach the word of God to our kids. In the Littles room, they're having people teach the Word of God and biblical principles to our preschoolers. These are, these, are these are opportunities for you to explain to a different group of people what the Bible says, what the Word of God teaches. Some of you are getting sweaty palms just thinking about teaching little kids. We make it super easy, and kids are awesome. Kids are responsive and enthusiastic, and they talk back to you, and it's very different sometimes than Sunday morning in the upstairs room, right? This is a great opportunity, but it's not just teaching a larger group of people. Think about all the small groups that we have. Think Think about our men's groups on Monday nights, Tuesday morning men's group, Tuesday uh, mom's Bible study, anytime that um, women's groups Monday nights, a lot of times what's happening is people are sitting around a table and they're discussing a chapter of the, of the Bible or they're discussing a lesson that they heard. And what's happening is people are discussing this. And someone around the table is going to take a moment where they explain, well, this is what I think the word of God is saying. Those are all moments where the gift of teaching is in operation, where someone is using their spiritual gift to explain the word of God in a way that makes sense. There is so much room for teaching. It can be a one-on-one -on -one mentoring conversation where God is going to use this spiritual gift that he's given you to help the 
Bible come alive to somebody that otherwise doesn't really understand it. I'm sure we've got people in our church that try to read the Bible. I've heard from some of you that say, I just don't, it doesn't make sense. I don't even know where to start. I never grew up reading it. We need people with the gift of teaching to walk alongside of them and say, let me help you. Let me explain what this is about. Does that make sense? So if that's you, I want you to be open to God using you however the door opens. If it's in a small group and you're around a table and someone's asking questions and maybe you're going to feel in that moment like, I feel like I might have something to add to this conversation. Just be willing to be used by God in that moment and see what God does when we, as we've been talking about, just open up our hearts and allow him to work through us. Isn't that a great idea of us saying, God, how can you use me? I want to be willing to do this and then to see God come through and something that you said or something that you did causes somebody to have like a light bulb moment in their faith and you see spiritual growth happening. That is a great thing to be a part of, right? That is a great thing for God to gift us in so that he can accomplish the ministry of his church. That's the gift of teaching. And the second one is the spiritual gift of exhortation. First one is teaching and the second one is exhortation. That's not exorcism. That's different. Exhortation is more like encouragement. We get this word in the, in the New Testament, the Greek language, the word is paraklesis, or where we would get the word paraclete, like a legal term, like an advisor or a counselor. Um, in legal terms, it would be someone close to you or walking alongside of you um, to assist you and advise you. Have you ever been in a situation where you're just like, I don't even know what to do, and maybe a social worker or someone who had great advice walk, came alongside of you and said, here, let me walk through this with you. Let me help you with this. This is the gift of exhortation or encouragement. It's actually the same word, that word paraklesis or paraclete, that Greek word where it originated from. It's the same word to describe what the Holy Spirit does for us. The presence of God walking alongside of us, dwelling in us, advising, guiding, encouraging, convicting, kind of helping us move forward. This is the gift of exhortation or encouragement would be another one, another way of saying that. Think of someone who walks closely beside you and instructs you supports you, points you towards a goal and says, hey, let's get there together. Like a, maybe a coach or a trainer or an advisor, a financial planner, someone that knows what they're doing and saying, let me help you get to where you want to go. So here's a definition. It'll be up on the screen. This gift of exhortation is strongly and thoroughly encouraging the heart of others specifically to move towards spiritual maturity. Strongly and thoroughly encouraging the heart of others specifically to move towards spiritual maturity. So when we're talking about the spiritual gift, again, spiritual gifts are always going to cause people to move towards Jesus, to grow in their faith. So exhortation is more than just, when you hear encouragement, you might think of someone just being like pat on the shoulder, like, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're so pretty. You're doing great. You're awesome. Way to go. Like encouraging that way. Exhortation is more than that, right? If you've ever had a good coach or a good trainer or an advisor, sometimes exhortation is more than just you're doing great. It's let's get your butt moving, right? Let's get your butt in gear. Let's move forward. Sometimes that encouragement is a little bit more of a let's go. Let's get moving. Sometimes parents, we know that we need to encourage our kids in a way that is a little bit more like, hey, 
We're moving forward. Let's go. Let's move. Let's move towards our goals. Sometimes, even though it might not feel encouraging, when it's done correctly, it is exactly what we needed. Can we say amen to that? Has anyone ever been in a moment where somebody came to you and said something that was just like, oh, that's hard to hear, but I know it's exactly what I need to hear? If you're stuck in your faith, I'm glad we have encouragers of all different personalities in our church. Some that come alongside and give you hugs and say it's going to be okay. And some encouragers who are just important to say, hey, let's get your butt moving. Let's get this area of your life under control and let's move forward towards godliness, right? Amen. You might think of some of the people who are in your face as maybe not so encouraging, but they are operating in the spiritual gift of encouragement. Move you towards godliness. Walk alongside of you towards godliness. Partner with you and say, I don't want you to just stay stuck where you are. Let's move forward. We have a goal in mind. Let's move towards godliness. There's a couple of times this word, paraclesis, is used in the New Testament. So I wanted to highlight them to kind of get a better understanding of what we're talking about here. The first one is found in 1 Timothy 4.13. And this is another letter that Paul is writing. And it says this in 1 Timothy 4.13. Until I come, so he's saying, until I come to visit you, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Talking about the two things we're talking about today. While I'm separated from you, Paul is an apostle. He's kind of like their pastor, really their leader from a distance. He's saying, until I can get there to be with you, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Similar to what this gathering is designed to do, read the scripture and encourage one another to grow in our godliness. Does that make sense? So Paul is saying, we need to encourage each other to grow in our faith. Encourage others in their discipleship. And Paul is saying this is going to happen when together you read the word of God and you encourage or exhort one another to do what it says, to follow what the word of God says. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time the word of God changed you? When was the last time you encountered something in the word of God that caused you to think, oh, I need to make a change. Oh, I need to make an adjustment. Oh, I need to repent of this. Oh, man, this is an area of my life that I'm still battling through. When was the last time that happened? This should be a regular thing in our discipleship. Encountering the word of God and having loving people around you to exhort or encourage you. Hearing the teaching of the word of God and allowing it to do something in your heart. There are times when we are looking for the word of God to just be kind of a a lifeboat, right? Like, Lord, I just need, a, I just need an encouraging word. Like, I, the Lord God is with you. I will, not, I will never leave you or forsake you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that is a lift our spirits moment. But if that's all you're looking in the Bible for is kind of the pat on the head, you are going to be stuck in your growth. You're going to be stuck in your life of faith. Allow the word of God to change you. Allow yourselves to be open to some conversations with people that love you and love Jesus to say, hey, here's something I'm seeing. And this might not sound like the most encouraging thing, but this is what you need to hear right now. That is the spiritual gift of exhortation and encouragement. And when it's done right, it brings people towards Jesus. Now, we have a lot of people in our world, and some of you have experienced church hurt and harsh conversations where maybe it was someone trying to encourage you and you felt anything but. 
because it was more about what they thought was right or more about their insecurities or whatever it was. But when this is done right through the leading of the Holy Spirit, it causes all of us to grow closer in our faith, right? And that's the goal. Second example is in Acts chapter 15. Now, this one takes a little bit more background, and this is where we're going to wrap up today in just a few minutes. Acts chapter 15 is a fascinating story. It's known as the Council of Jerusalem. What was happening was, because this church had started when at the beginning of Acts when the Holy Spirit came and Peter started preaching and people started getting saved and then the disciples started going out and churches were planted all over. This is, you know, years later, but what's happening is all people that didn't really know Jesus, all people that weren't really familiar with the Jewish traditions or the Old Testament, they're putting their faith in Jesus. And so they're saying, well, what do we do? Like, what are the rules? How do we show that we are a follower of Jesus? And a lot of the Jewish people used to the Old Testament traditions are saying, well, in addition to loving Jesus and putting your faith in him, you still have to do this, 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 this. You get circumcised. You have to also offer this sacrifice here. You have to make sure you obey all of these rules. And everyone's confused. So the disciples gather back together in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 15, it's the Council of Jerusalem. A great story because they're saying, what do we tell all these people who are saying, what rules do we need to follow? How do we act like Jesus followers? And there's a line in Acts chapter 15 where, where they're talking and, and uh, they say, well, the last thing we want to do is to create more obstacles for people to come to Jesus. I love that line. The last thing we want to do is to put up obstacles for people to come to Jesus. But they discuss, and they talk about it, and they say, okay, we're going to write all of these people a letter. And in the letter, they say, okay, here's what we've decided. Just don't partake of any food that's been sacrificed to idols. And keep yourself pure of sexual immorality. Let's just do those and follow Jesus, and let's go with that. And so they send out this letter to everybody, and then it says this in verse 30 and 31 of Acts chapter 15. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered this letter that they had just written. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its, what's that word? Encouragement. That's that same word, exhortation. They rejoiced because of its encouragement, its exhortation, its coaching to godliness. People had come alongside these new believers and instructed them, encouraged them, guided them, basically saying, hey, here's what's going to be good for you. This is what's going to serve you well. Let's do this and we will grow in our faith together. So one key thing, and I want you to hear me very clearly, encouragement and exhortation is not enabling. Godly encouragement is to call people forward in spiritual maturity. The gospel of Jesus Christ has never said to any single person other than Jesus, you're doing great just the way you are. You're doing perfect. Don't change a thing. Keep it up. That's not what the gospel is. If you are looking for a biblical message or a faith in Jesus that just wants to tell you that you're okay the way you are, you're looking in the wrong place. The gospel never says, Jeff, you're fine just the way you are. Thank goodness, right? Where were we before we knew the mercy of Jesus Christ? Lost, broken, hurting in addiction and sin and darkness and spiritual death. 
That's where we were. And the gospel of Jesus Christ came and said, we are going to restore what is broken, bring salvation and healing. We're going to bring forgiveness to your sin in your life, and we are going to move forward in Jesus Christ. That is a forward motion. Exhortation is, in, is encouraging people to move forward. A lot of people are opposed to church because they say, well, I don't want to go to church because they say we're all welcome here, but then they try to change us. I've heard that a lot of times. Maybe you've heard that. I don't want to go to church because it's a bunch of people trying to change me. We're not going to want to try to change you. I don't want to try to change you. Forgive my French here, but I suck at changing people, right? We all do. We all do. But we want you to be changed. We want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We want you to put away the old patterns of sin and death and follow Jesus. We are terrible at changing people, but the Holy Spirit is really, really good at it. So we want you to go after him. We want you to be open to the work of God in your life. And we want to encourage or exhort you to say, let's move forward together. We don't want to be stuck where we are. We want you to be transformed Exhortation, this spiritual gift of exhortation is when you come alongside someone and you say, you are loved, you are saved by grace, and you are called. Now let's move forward in this transformation that Jesus wants to do in your life. Amen? To see you made new. I use the illustration like a coach or a trainer. Someone who's helping you achieve a goal. Let's imagine that you are running a marathon. So for me, that's a lofty imagination right there. And you are, you know, a couple of miles from the finish line, and you have that goal in mind, and you have been training. And at that point, you are tired, and you want to stop. And you, everything in you is saying, quit, quit, quit. Don't move forward anymore. What does an encourager look like then? In that moment, what does an encourager look like? Now, there are times it might be, you know what? You're injured. We're going to call it a day here. We're going to get it next time. Let's get back in training, and we'll do this again. But a lot of times, what an encourager looks like is, don't quit. Don't quit. Let's go. Don't quit. I'll walk with you. Even if we crawl our way these last two miles to the finish line, I'm going to crawl with you every step. This is what an encourager is. Let's go. We have a goal in mind. This letter that they wrote to the Gentiles when they were wondering, what do we do? How do we follow Jesus? This letter was not condemning or demoralizing right? This letter was not, how can you even ask that question? Look at all the bad stuff you're doing. Just knock it off. This, this letter that they wrote to the Gentiles was not condemning. It was a call to move forward in godliness. And what did they do? They rejoiced because they sensed that it was encouraging. They sensed that there was someone saying, hey, let's move forward. They sensed that there was someone coaching them and guiding them. These two gifts, as we wrap up today, the gift of teaching and the gift of exhortation, they describe our small group's ministry so well when it's done right. This is a great opportunity for us to gather together and worship together as a larger group, but when we're sitting around a living room or around a table in the church and there's one-on-one -on -one or small group discussions and conversations, this is when the gift of teaching really thrives, and this is when the gift of exhortation and encouragement really thrives because it's people saying, hey, I want to help you grow in this. Hey, I need help with this. Can you pray for me with this? Let's walk together. Let's move towards our goal together. This is what the scripture talks about, encouraging and exhorting and teaching. A few weeks ago, we had a young couple in our church, Andrew and Jacqueline. They got married 
some of you were there. It was a great, it was a great time. Christy and I talked about it after the wedding that um, Andrew, the groom, and some of you know Andrew and Jacqueline. Um, there was a few guys from the church that were there as, as uh, invites to the wedding. And we looked around and Christy and I said, look at the guys that are here kind of supporting Andrew as Andrew's friends. And they were guys that were involved at his table in men's group. They were guys that had been around a table having conversations with him. Some of them were quite a bit older than Andrew. And let's not, I mean, once the, once the dance floor opened, everyone was bringing the party. These guys were doing great. I mean, I love it when Homestead brings the fun. If there's ever an environment, two weeks from now, due days, I love it when our church family brings the fun and brings the party. That's, you know, should be one of our goals. But what was more standing out to me in that moment was, look at the difference that these guys have made on Andrew. Like, they're here at this wedding because these guys have sat around a table with him and taught the word of God to him in a way that we've, we don't see that. We don't see that conversation happening on a Monday night at men's group. These guys have used the spiritual gift of exhortation or encouragement to encourage him along, and it has made a huge difference in that young man's life. Think about the potential here if those with that spiritual gift would start operating in that gift to walk alongside people and say, hey, I know you're weary. I know you're discouraged, but let's do this together. Let's move towards our goal. Let's move towards godliness. Let's, let's make some corrections. Let's, let's get rid of this area of your life. It's destructive. It's an addiction. It's, re- it's wrecking your faith. It's wrecking your family. Let's move forward. In love, we do that, and that makes all the difference, right? I don't want us to just allow people to stay stuck in love and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We call people to move forward in their faith. And when we operate in these gifts, man, with the potential there, the life change there, that's amazing to think about. That's what we get to be a part of. Let's close in prayer. And as we're going to do several times through this summer, let's just take a moment. And just think about what we've talked about, the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation or encouragement. Holy Spirit, is this something that you've called me to do? Is this a gift that you, is is something stirring in your heart right now that maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, this is what I want you to do? Lord, speak to us. We thank you that you are our encourager, that you are the one who walks alongside each of us and helps us move forward. So I pray that we would all grow in our faith, grow in our awareness of spiritual gifts and how you have wired and gifted each of us uniquely and help us to take a step of faith and to start using them, to grow in them. It's not going to be perfect the first time. Nothing ever is. But Lord, we want to grow in these things so that we can see you use us to accomplish your work around the world and in this church. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today at Homestead Church. If you would like someone to pray with you, we'll have some prayer team members up front. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you soon.